Good day. This is Radio Al-Hara. I'm Stefan Christophe in Montreal. I contribute an artist interview uh, to the broadcast uh, once a month, and this is my monthly contribution uh, for February. I'm going to be featuring an interview with Josh McPhee, uh, who is a founding member of the Just Seeds Artist Cooperative, uh, who's based in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, Just Seeds is a North America-wide network of socially engaged printmakers, designers, and artists. You can find them at justseeds.org. I spoke with Josh um, as part of an interview series that I have recorded uh, in collaboration with the Swoney Peri Popolo uh, Festival here in Montreal. Um, and these interviews look at the intersections of art and activism. In this exchange with Josh, we talk about the collaboration of Just Seeds with the Poor People's Campaign in the United States. That is a campaign that crosses generations dating back to the work of Martin Luther King uh, in the 1960s uh, and a campaign that has re-emerged in recent years and reasserted itself in the context of the clear economic inequalities that were um, laid bare during the pandemic. We also talk about Just Seed's work around the uh, climate justice movement, um, particularly the climate strike actions, the screen printing setup, street-based poster printing that Just Seeds has been doing all across the U.S. Um, and we also talk about how uh, Josh's memories of Occupy Wall Street actions in uh, Manhattan really sparked some of his ideas around street-based uh, silkscreen printing during protests uh, that they've been uh, sustaining at different actions in New York around climate justice, but also uh, around economic um, and social justice more broadly. Um, so you can find Just Seeds at justseeds.org. Uh, Josh um, is an awesome artist and activist based in Brooklyn. And I'm really happy to share uh, this exchange uh, here on Radio Hara in Palestine for my monthly artist interview. I'm Stefan Christophe in Montreal. It is February 2022. And uh, you can find all these interviews archived through my program, Free City Radio. Look it up on Spotify or iTunes. And thanks so much to um, Radio Hara for this collaboration. Uh, here's my exchange with Josh, Free Palestine. Yeah, Just Seeds uh, Artist Co-op is a um, cooperative of 41 uh, people spread across Mexico, the U.S., and Canada, um, so-called Mexico, U.S., and Canada, uh, in 15 or 16 different locales, actually maybe more at this point. Um, and it's it's a, it's a an interesting hybrid project. Um because on the one hand, we're a community of artists or cultural workers. Uh, on the other hand, we run uh, a relatively well-trafficked and popular online gallery slash store. Yeah. So it's an economic engine um, that supports uh, the artists that are part of the, the co-op. And then on the third hand, we're sort of a graphics production engine for social movements. So that takes uh, that last part um, takes a lot of different forms. On the one hand, uh, we have a what's called a 
a, a channel on our website, um, which is a free downloadable um, high res Creative Commons licensed political graphics uh, across a, a massive broad spectrum of social and political issues. Mm-hmm. At this point, I think there's five, 600 different graphics up yeah. there um, around dozens and dozens of struggles that get pulled down and used mm-hmm. by thousands and thousands of people and organizations and community groups. And um, and so that sort of is uh, on the one side. And then we also do more formal projects with um, specific social movement organization. So on average, we do about one print portfolio a year uh, around a different political issue where we partner with an organization. So a couple of years ago, we did a big portfolio with the sort of relaunching of the Poor People's Campaign here in uh, the U.S., you know, which is a campaign that came out of Martin Luther King's original um, struggle around civil rights uh, in the 1950s and, and 1960s that's been sort of um, rekindled uh, um, for the 21st century um, with some of the original people, but also a whole slew of new people involved. And so from the very beginning, we worked with them uh, to create images around all the things that they were going to be organizing uh, around. So we got a series of quotes, a series of issues, a series of ideas, and then we split them up amongst ourselves and created graphics, which got produced into a portfolio, which uh, then exists um, as an actual print object, which has a sort of value or valence within um, art or institutional context. So it goes into collections mm-hmm. and sort of legitimizes the work and the, the movement work. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, all of those images go up for free online for anyone to be able to download and use alter to to repurpose to put back out into the world and then at the same time the poor people's campaign themselves converted um you know dozens of those graphics into mass-produced posters giant banners background drops for um rallies uh they've they've been used in all these different ways buttons and t-shirts and and all the ways you can imagine graphics get deployed into the world so that's just sort of a one example of that the way that that print portfolio project kind of rolls out into the world. Mm-hmm. We do, you know, on average one of those a year around a different issue with a different group. So, you know, at this point now for 15 years, we've been generating um, cultural material and direct coordination with the frontline organizations around that issue. Yeah, I mean, the Poor People's Campaign, I think often, you know, it's, it, I think, relates to some of your work. Uh, I mean, a lot of your work, just in the sense that I think often historical moments of mobilization, for example, the, the Poor People's Campaign that was so integral to the civil rights movement uh, and the work of many organizations, but including figures, as you mentioned, uh, like Martin Luther King, but many anti-poverty organizations, uh, organizations fighting systemic racism in the United States. Um, um, that is part of a living history of organizing. And uh, it's really appreciated that you mentioned that, you know, Just Seeds uh, Artist Cooperative has been working with the Poor People's Campaign that sort of continues today. And I, I think that that is 
really important and related to the work that you're doing with the Celebrate People's History Project because it's sort of, it, you know, it's based on this idea that social movements are living and, you know, within the art that you do, Josh, and, and you know, honestly, I often look at your work and how much output you have and I'm like, I'm just really, uh, I, I admire it. And, but more broadly, Just Seeds uh, and, you know, this process of the living history of social movements, you know, uh, that connection back to the 1960s through the Poor People's Campaign, but also many other campaigns, you know, and that's really uh, central to this book project that you just worked on uh, around Celebrate People's History, um, which was uh, came out recently through the feminist press at CUNY University in New York with Just Seeds. So if you could maybe share a bit about that project and how it's linked to that idea of living social movements and, 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 and overcoming that idea that, you know, this contemporary moment exists in a vacuum, but in fact exists in a continuum of struggle. I mean, I've personally been interested in history for a long time, but I, I don't think it was until starting the People's History poster series 21, 22 years ago that um, it really became sort of central to the work that I was doing. Yeah. Uh, at the time I was living in Chicago and I, I was really interested in street art. So what, what I was um, really focused on was how to generate messaging uh, and put it out to a, to a broad public um, in kind of the one place in society that all different kinds of people across race, class, gender, um, sexuality, uh, you know, le quote unquote legal status, all of these things, mm -hmm. the, the place where all of these people intersect is in the street. Yeah. Um, at least, you know, more so pre pandemic, but, um, mm -hmm. and, and that, you know, as long as for our lifetimes, the streets have largely been controlled by corporations Yeah, yeah. that, you know, we see literally tens of thousands of advertising images a day. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the denser the city that you're in with the more capital in it, the more images you're going to see and more advertising images you're going to mm -hmm. see. Um, and so I was really interested in like, is there a way, not, not so grandiose as to say combat that, but to sort of insert ourselves into that in some way to try to break up this sort of conveyor belt um, that brings us from point of purchase to point of purchase to point of purchase. Um, and to say, actually, when we're out on the street, this is a space that we share and that we should actually have some agency or control over it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the street as, a, as also a, a basis, of course, of mobilization, uh, the political yeah, discussion that a, happens. A post field of struggle for, mm -hmm. you know, lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. And like as an image maker, mm -hmm. then like what are the images that can influence that field? Because if you think about it, if you're having a conversation with someone uh, on a street corner yeah. uh, and you're talking about, um, you know, the, the role of the U S or Canada in the middle East. Sure. Uh, and you're standing in front of a giant McDonald's ad, like, you know, that's just like status quo. But if you're, you're standing in front of someone's, we pasted up a massive mm -hmm. uh, poster, a series of posters that's challenging the kind of imperial and colonial relationships between mm -hmm. the West uh, and um, 
countries in the Middle East, then that's going to affect your conversation. Sure. So, sure. like, there's actually an immense amount of power in controlling that visual field. Um, so, at the time, like, I was really interested in that. This is 1999, um, 1988, 1999. My roommate was a public teacher in the Chicago public schools. Okay. And she taught on the south side of Chicago and was to younger age children and was just sort of, um, was a new teacher and was kind of shocked at the utter lack of materials that she had access to that spoke to the experiences of her students. Okay. Um, so like the, the, uh, you, you know, you could find a poster about Martin Luther King, for instance, sure, sure. but that was about the beginning and end of it okay. um, 20 plus years ago. I mean, yeah. that's really changed, but, so we decided we were going to do this project together and we were going to create a poster to celebrate Malcolm X's birthday. Okay. And um, she had found this quote, which now we've learned is, is actually a paraphrase, but um, this, is a, this is the first poster that we made. Um, and it has this quote from Malcolm X. And uh, armed with the knowledge of our past, we can chart our course for our future. Only by knowing where we've been can we know where we are and where we want to, where we want to go yeah so um and this has sort of become the mantra not only of this project the people's history project because this is the first of what now um is over 200 designs uh, made by almost as many artists in a dozen and a half countries um most of the posters are in english but a, a, a good number of them are also bilingual um spanish french arabic um so that was the beginning of what really became a project that was, you know, they still go out on the street sometimes, but it's, it's not so much about that now. And it's really a project that challenges dominant historiography, like the way that we write and understand history. Sure. Sure. And, <laughs> and on that point, Josh, I just, just uh, quickly on, on that point of the, the role of social movements in shaping uh, discourse and conceptions of history. Um, there's also that sense of urgency, which I always felt a lot in uh, many of the Celebrate People's History posters, because actually, I mean, you, you highlighted that first poster, and thank you so much for doing that. Um, um, but there's also that, that work that has happened through Celebrate People's History poster series to highlight movements that have become, um, you know, really important, but I think are not recognized in mainstream histories. For example, the taking of Alcatraz Island, the reclaiming of Alcatraz Island yeah. by indigenous people, or the origins of the disability rights movement, um, for mm -hmm. example. There's a really powerful poster about that. And and in those posters, you see that and feel that urgency of the the social movements trying to express the emergency of these issues that how it resonates today, but how that also has happened in the past. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, and, and, and that's sort of what I mean is that um, I originally started getting other people involved one, because it was just more interesting that way. And two, because uh, um, pretty early on, I asked a couple of people, but people just approached me out of nowhere and, and said, hey, I would love to do a poster like the one that you did. Can I do that? Mm -hmm. um, and that's sort of when it became a series. And, and from those very early days, it's always been that it's up to the artist or the designer to choose the subject of the poster. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't assign topics to people. Yeah. Um, it's really about people 
digging into history and finding things that they think are interesting and engaging, and then figuring out a way to represent that to the world in a way that will get people to want to learn more. Got it. Uh, and uh, and in by doing that, becoming a historian in a sense, mm-hmm. um, or at least a vehicle for history, um, take, taking a claim, saying, you know what, this is important enough that it should be remembered, mm-hmm. even though it's been entirely bulldozed by mainstream representations of what's happened in the past. Um, and I think that uh, for me, like the, the, the real um, resonance of that over time is this thrust to democratize history mm-hmm. um, and to say that like as we are actors in our lives and as different collective entities of people, actors on a world stage, then we should also be the ones who are writing our own histories. Great. That they should be given to us from on high. Yeah. And, and I just would encourage people to check out the Just Seeds website, justseeds.org. And, you know, people can find uh, info about the Celebrate People's History uh, poster series there. I just want to locate two examples that I thought when I, when I think about you and also, you know, having seen you over many years in New York in different contexts. I think about the silk screening unit at Occupy Wall Street, which I know that you were in some ways re- related to. And also I think about that poster series that happened for the massive climate justice march that happened in, in, in New York City. And it was like a months-long mobilization. 350.org and Just Seeds um, partnered for some of those posters. But I know that many other climate justice groups were part of that. And um, this, of course, really was a turning point in the in the climate justice movement. I'm wondering if you could just highlight those two examples and the ways that street art printing uh, were part of those mobilizations. Because um, I do remember at Occupy Wall Street, the, the silkscreen setup and, and how powerful it was to see that there and art being so integral to that space. Well, with Occupy Wall Street... Um... I think that for myself and for a lot of people that are my generation and then definitely younger, um, Occupy Wall Street, with all of its, you know, complications and confusions and everything, um, regardless, and maybe partly because of those things, it was really the first truly mass movement that we had participated in. We had, you know, I've been on marches with, you know, tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people, but they were one-off kind of events. They weren't ongoing mass movements that were affecting the fabric of life in cities all over the world. Mm-hmm. And um, because of that, I mean, I, as a image maker, I was wholly unprepared. Um, <laughs> you know, like the, the, the very first massive march that happened here in New York, I mean, there was the, the, the day where kicked off um, September 17th or something, or September 29th. Um, and I think it was September 29th. And, you know, there was the March on Wall Street. And um, in hindsight, that was relatively modest. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until, you know, about 10 days later that there was the first, maybe even two weeks, there was the first march that was sponsored by some of the major unions in New York City that, yeah. that they signed on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, there was like hundreds of thousands of people in the street. Mm-hmm. I had 
we had we had screen printed printed a you know about two hundred posters that I had designed that were like a picture of the Wall Street bull, yeah. but it was being muzzled and it and it said money talks too much. Um, and then we did about two hundred risograph posters, uh, and we went out with those and like literally within thirty seconds, not only were they all distributed, but they were just gone. There was just so many people that yeah. they made absolutely no visual impact. Um, I was like, whoa, that we made a lot of posters, like almost 500 posters. Just, it was as if they didn't exist. Um, and so we realized that we needed to do something that was uh, a little bit more sort of mass in scale. Okay. Yeah. But we didn't necessarily want to move away from the horizontality and the sort of direct democracy aspects of Occupy. So mm -hmm. Jesse Goldstein um, and I... Uh, sort of inspired by what had happened um, in Argentina in 2001 um, with the Taller Grafica, um, Taller Popular de Serigrafia, um, TPS, where on those massive marches in Buenos Aires, they took screens out with designs and they screen printed on people's clothing as they were marching. Mm -hmm. um, they sort of, rather than this idea that they were going to mass produce posters somewhere else and bring them they just let's just print as part of the demo so we got a very basic rudimentary um setup brought it out to the the park the end of one of the big marches and we're like okay let's just take it out and we just started printing we were like oh shit we didn't actually remember to bring any shirts so like we took the shirts off that we had on um and and screen printed them just to show that we were what we were doing and very quickly, a couple of people were like, oh, what are you up to? And we're like, oh, we want to, we want to print on shirts. Do you want your shirt printed? And then they're like, well, I don't want this shirt printed, but do you have any shirts? And we're like, we don't have any. And they're like, oh, we'll go get you some. And so within 15 minutes, people had gone out and come back with bags and bags of T-shirts, like blank T-shirts. And we were just printing, and then we were showing other people how to print. And it just became this massive kind of explosion of engagement in which within, you know, an hour, hour and a half, um, we, every, we told everyone it was free. People were shoving money in our pockets. Um, so we were just taking it out and giving it to random strangers and saying, go buy more T-shirts. Sure, sure. And then, like, yeah. you know, by the end of the day, you couldn't go three miles mm -hmm. from Zuccotti Park and find a T-shirt in, in a store anywhere because we had we'd gone got them all and printed them. And then that evolved into what became the Occupy Wall Street Screen Printers Guild and um, on one hand an Occuprint on the other is sort of two projects that were the graphic ends of um, OWS. Thanks for sharing uh, it all was, that. It was, uh, it was very transformational because it was the kind of thing that you read about in these moments of social upheaval mm -hmm. like May 68 or where all of a sudden you know like you you know, you make a poster and the demand is greater than you could possibly produce them. And, and it was the first time that that had truly happened, that like just people wanted the stuff so much. Got it. Um, it was explosive. And I remember very specifically watching uh, some people at the screen print table um, teaching others how to screen yeah. print, which was also just great to see. I, I did just, just wanted to underline all those important posters you've done in 
in collaboration with 350.org around the urgency of, of the climate justice movement and then later on around climate strike. I know that Just Seeds did distribute graphics yeah. in relation to the climate justice movement on that. JustSeeds.org is the website. I did want to go um, to some very contemporary um, points. And the book that you just put out, um, Celebrate People's History, it has um, forward by both Rebecca Solnit and Charlene Carruthers, um, uh, who Rebecca Solnit, of course, is an author um, uh, connected with, you know, transformative thinking. And Charlene Carruthers is really important to the Black Lives Matter movement in Chicago. Um, and then we, we talked a bit about the People's History uh, uh, poster series. I mentioned these two introductions because I found they both work to locate this series in the contemporary moment. And I think it sort of relates to some of the work that you do right now, Josh, which is uh, thinking about this political moment, because we are in this quote unquote transition, not a transition away from the systems of colonial capitalism, but to a new, I mean, which would be the ideal situation, but towards a new administration in the US. And one of the central um, issues that you work on right now is around the prison industrial complex and as a designer and also as, as, as a communicator. So I, I'm just wondering if you could reflect and thank you so much, Josh, for underlining these experiences that you've had, but the role of graphic designers and any reflections personally you have in this political moment when we think about what's going to be happening in the upcoming months and the importance also of just trying stuff. You know, when you talked about Just Seeds, it was something that you put together and it sort of grew in this grassroots way. Um, so I know there was a lot of points in there. I, I hope you could pick up the thread. If not, just sure. let me know if there's any clarifications. No, I mean, I think um, to sort of like set up a platform for that, I think that it's important to recognize that we live um, in the U.S. and in, in Canada, at least in most of the U.S. and Canada, in a context in which to be an artist or a designer um, is so, at this point, sort of integrally fused with neoliberal thinking, and it's so fundamentally fundamentally individualistic. Okay, that like we've reached the point in which for most people um, there is little or no distinction between an individual making an artwork that is their personal reflection on a political issue and people working in concert with organizers or activists and movements to create images very specifically to be used by those organizations in the work that they do. Yeah. In the tangible day-to-day -day organizing. And I think that there's a violence that happens when those things become equated because it, it sets up, um, this fictional belief system that artists so easily buy into that somehow making art is going to save the world. Um, making art does not, will not, and has never saved the world. Actually on its own, it does very, very little. Um, organizing to build power changes the world. Art can play a role in that organizing, but it can only play a role if artists and designers can step down from their sort of highly individuated uh, sort of high horse and say, I'm just like anyone else who's working on this campaign. I have a skill set. I'm willing to share it. I also would like to engage in the politics, just like other people may want to engage in the issues around representation. 
that we collaborate and we build things that make the campaign and the work go better. That like that is the role that culture can play in actual social transformation. It's not about me sitting in a studio and designing the most brilliant poster that was ever made. There's no such thing. Like a poster becomes brilliant when it interacts with the world. Mm. It's not brilliant in your head. Um, it's irrelevant in your head. Mm -hmm. Doesn't who cares? It only matters when people care about it and people only care about it when it gets used and people only use it if they feel a connection or there's a relationship that's being built through the production of it and what the larger goals of sort of a, a campaign around a political issue are. Um, so, I mean, just in terms of like for myself, like I feel like my work is so much more impactful when I work directly with the the people that are organizing around the issue that the, the work is addressing. Um, other people, certainly, I mean, one of the things that the the download, the graphic download page on Just Seeds has shown is that- JustSeeds.org. Um, yeah, JustSeeds.org backslash graphics, I believe, that if I make an image with an organization and then I put it up there so anyone else can use it, it will get used and mutated and repurposed and show up in other campaigns and all of that's great. Um, but for me, the fundamental power in the creation of that was the collaborative aspect of working with the organizations and the people on the front line struggling around whatever that issue is about.